0: Run. For those who don't know me, my name is Matty Taus. I get to be one of the pastors here at Epiphany Station, and I just want to let you know a few things before we jump into our new teaching series that's kind of happening in our children's ministry, which we're rebuilding Uh, on fifth Sundays of the month. So, like today, we don't actually have a, a staffed ministry for our children, but we make the spaces that we do have available for people to use. So, if you have a child that you want, that's kind of zero to three kind of age, our usual space for them is always open for you to be able to take your children in there, and then we have two more spaces kind of adjoining this room. There's a large one that's kind of a family space where all the the audio and video is piped through into a TV. And then straight through this kind of one-way glass here, we also have a quiet room. So if you need some privacy with your child, you can feel free to make use of that. You don't actually enter it through the glass. You go around and there's doors and you'll find it that way. If you want to keep your children in here with you during the experience, that's why we have these uh, these whiteboards and markers. You can find them at the check-in station or kind of where you got your program from. When you walked in, as we continue to rebuild our children's ministry from the ground up, we just want to invite you, if you want to be a part of that and come alongside us to put some time into it, we would love you to do that. You can find one of these, our green connection cards, out by the welcome station. And if you would like to serve at one experience once a month to be able to provide something for our zero to three age group, then you can fill that out and we'll be in touch with you this week for doing, and thank you for doing that. Now, uh, we're about to jump into, like I said, this brand new teaching series called Momentum. And before we do that, I want to share with you a short video, kind of give you a feel and introduction of why we're doing what we're doing.
1: Hi, I'm Jewel. And I'm Tim. And this is our Momentum story. Money horror stories, well, it's more of a story of my own foolishness. Uh, When I got out of college, I had some student loans, I had some credit card debt, and got my adult job, so I figured, let's spend money like an adult, and I bought a new car. And then, about a month later, my brother-in-law gave me some really good advice, and I bought a jet ski. And then, fast forward, this is about a year, decided I needed a pickup. And then a little while after that, I made my last big purchase as a single adult, and I bought an engagement ring.
0: That was a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when Tim and I first got married, talking about a budget was very different. I had started a budget when I was 10 years old. My parents were really good about instilling that, and I like planning and having things in order and saving money. So Tim graciously actually asked me to do a budget, even though he didn't have one when we were dating. And what did you say?
1: Where did all my money go?
0: (laughs) And that produced many, many conversations over the years
1: about how do we want to spend our money together. So conversations about money now uh, look a lot more like a team. We go over the budget together. Now we get to say, okay, we've saved this, towards our goal of buying this thing or doing this other thing. Hey, we get to uh, give this much this month type of a thing. So it's more uh, just collective goals that we work towards.
0: Well, giving an O for us, it's just fun. It doesn't have to be this chore or somebody's taking our money. It's, we get to give this money. We get to help other people out. It's just automatic. That's just what we have in the budget. We don't think of, oh, I could buy this or that. It's just,
1: that's what we do, and it feels good to do it God's way. I'm Jewel. And I'm Tim. And that is our Momentum story.
0: Uh, so like you might have gathered uh, from that, we're, over the next few weeks, we're going to be doing something that is actually going to feel quite unnerving and quite uncomfortable. And then we're going to keep doing it and then keep doing it and keep doing it some more. Because for the next six weeks, what we desire to do as an entire church family is have tough, difficult, challenging conversations on the topic of money. This series is built on the belief that we have that if we take small steps towards doing things the way that God has always wanted us to do them with money, it can make a monumental and magnificent change into our future. And so that is what we're striving to do, is to start these conversations today. Now, already, right off the bat, that as we talk about money, and we happen to be talking about money in a place that we might want to consider calling the church, that there is already going to be a defensiveness about the conversation. And so I want to promise you something, that if I break this promise during this experience, you are well within your right to chew me out however you see fit. I promise that this Momentum series is not about you giving us money. This Momentum teaching series is not about you giving money to Epiphany Station. What it is about is us seeking to do what we think is most important. Epiphany Station exists to love God and love people, period. And in our existence, we have seen money become a roadblock to both of those things for people. We have seen money come in the way from people trying to love each other. We've seen money drive a wedge in families and end marriages. We have seen money become a contest between people and God and seeking to kind of win out of this arrangement of argument that doesn't seem to go anywhere. And so we're going to talk about money, and we're going to talk about it a lot because it actually has a lot to do with how we love God and how we love people. So we're going to talk about earning it, how to earn it, how to earn it honorably, how to earn it in such a way that it doesn't just fly out the door. We're going to talk about spending. We're going to talk about debt. We're going to talk about saving it. We're going to talk about giving it, all with the desire to tune our hearts into what God actually wants us to think and know about money. And so over this series, we have what we call a core text It's really a foundation upon which we build the entire thing. And the core text for this series is found both in the narrative of Jesus' life by Luke and Matthew. A teaching that Jesus gives on money. And he gives this capstone to it, which I think simply and beautifully highlights why it's so important for us to talk about money. In Luke's narrative, in chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus said that wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, whatever you crave, whatever you want, whatever you desire, that's where your heart's going to go. So depending on what you think about money and possessions and earning and spending and giving, that is going to motivate your affections. It's going to motivate your love in one direction or another. And so we can very easily be pointed in the wrong direction, gaining momentum in all the ways that are actually going to hurt At the same point, we have the opportunity to turn, to change, to get our trajectory on goal with what God would have us do and how our heart can be pulled more toward Him instead of away. And so through our conversations today and the next six Sundays, through our Financial Peace University classes and through a discipleship training class called Money 101, we're going to keep talking about it to gain this momentum in the right direction. To start off today, we want to have, before we leave here, a view the view that God has about money, the one thing that he believes about it that we can choose to ignore or accept. Because with the right view on money, we can then make decisions to do it right. With the wrong view, and there are millions of them, it'll always continue to go badly. And so we're having an overarching conversation today, very similar to an overarching conversation God had about 3,000 years ago. It was about 1,000 years before Jesus was even born and about 4,000 years since the Vikings won a Super Bowl, and hey, it's our year. This is the year, this is it. It's, no, it's not. Shouldn't lie in church. Anyway, God gathered all of his people together, and he had this conversation with them to help them understand this thing that was super important to him, and he knew would be super important to them. The good, the bad, and the ugly sides of money, and how it can lead us in one direction or the other. So in Deuteronomy, this old history narrative book of it, we see this conversation. This is simply what God said. In verse 10, when you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. But that is the time to be careful. Beware in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey His commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you've become full... And prosperous, and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large, and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time, and forget the Lord your God, who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you to the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from a rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be able to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. In summary, people are forgetful. People are incredibly forgetful. All people always have and always will be forgetful people. And we are not so different from those people. We might live in slightly nicer housing with better sanitation and access to Taco John's. I mean, something's better, something's worse. And in that, we still have the tendency to be very forgetful. And we can forget the most important thing about our very existence. And so God brings this warning right off the bat. And he says there's a very particular type of lifestyle and a time when you should be most afraid of forgetting what's important. When you're full. He paints this picture, which I think is epitomized by right after Thanksgiving dinner. You know when you've eaten and you've drunk and you've eaten and you've drunk some more, and you're totally satiated and slaked and then you're actually quite useless for the next six hours. That is the type of mentality God is saying we should be afraid of, that your entire life could be lived out like that. And it will happen when you've eaten your fill, when you feel prosperous, when there's plenty to go around, when you have a roof over your head, when there's a car in the driveway, when there's food in the pantry, when there's money in the bank, you will be very likely to forget why you have any of those things. And so he says, Be aware that money will steer your love and your affections. And if you are not careful, it will lead you towards being proud of your own accomplishments. Forgetting how God has led, forgetting how God has provided, instead turning your heart to that ugly place. The worst place you can be in a conversation with you, God, and money is the belief that look at me, I have achieved. I have achieved this wealth because of my education. I have achieved this wealth because of my hard work. I have achieved this wealth because I'm smart. I have achieved this wealth because of my grit. I have achieved this wealth because I'm a great entrepreneur. I have achieved. God's warning is that when you have, and you have, you will forget. That it's easy to forget, and because it's easy to forget, we will forget, and because it's easy to forget, we will find it very easy to mismanage money. Because it's easy to forget, it's easy then to mismanage, to misuse and misdirect money. And when we do that, it's very easy for us to be led astray. It is this continuing spiral. As soon as we forget what money is and why it is, our hearts get turned. Nobody in the history of mankind grew up wanting to be a miser. Nobody desired in their life goals to be mean and spiteful when it comes to money. Nobody wanted it to ruin their marriage. Nobody wanted it to divide relationships. Nobody wanted to be that jerk. But through small changes in direction of their heart being pointed more and more towards what was given rather than the giver, hearts get turned. Because what God said, what Jesus had to declare was fundamental. It's foundational. Wherever your treasure is, that's where the desires of your heart are going to go. And so, When we talk about money, when you talk about money in church, at home, wherever, it is essential that we talk about it in a different light, that we talk about it as it actually is, what it is, what its purpose was for, and how we are to use it. Because we, if we want to love God and love people, if we want to love God and love people with our money, we are going to do it different. We're going to do it different from the entire world. Because we're going to do it different, we're going to have to believe the thing that God has said that is different about us and money. God has tried so emphatically throughout all time to help us understand some big things. And the big thing about money is that it's not yours. Psalm 24.1 lays it out, the thing, the roadblock, the stumbling block that you have to decide whether you'll agree with or not. Because in 24.1, it says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Everything. Categorically, everything. Fully, everything. All the people that have ever been and ever will be. Those that have been born, those that have been sustained to this day, belong to God. Every animal, vegetable, or mineral. Every bit of food, every bit of material, every bit of information. All of it is actually already owned by God. So however we might use those things to earn money... He already owns them. And so that means all the trillions and billions and thousands and hundreds and tens and dollars and cents and pounds and pence, all of those things already belong to God. None of it is ours. And anything that we do have was given. Anything that we have at all was put into your possession by Him. And this is where it really starts to grate and rub against our liberty and our feelings of autonomy we didn't carve it out. We didn't earn it. He gave it. He gave it so that you would know that you're provided for. He gave it so you know you're loved. He gave you the power to succeed. He gave you the ability to love him back and to love those around you. And so where we differ from the rest of the world when we think about money is we don't even think about money as ours. Now, this is a difficult concept. This is a difficult thing to wrap your head around. And if you're here today, and you're like, I'm not really into this Jesus thing, loving God and loving people, that's not for me, I can promise you the idea of giving your money over completely and wholly to Him is not the first thing you're going to want to do this afternoon. Because in fact, this is one of the most difficult things believers for decades struggle with, continue to struggle with, because it is one of the most deepening, one of the most dependent, and one of the most maturing beliefs we can hold on to and live out. You might be here and you do say, okay, I do believe in God and I do believe that, you know, he has provided something. But I'm struggling with Psalm 24 that says absolutely everything's his. That absolutely everything I have actually belongs to him. When we find that difficult, what we're finding difficult is that God is saying actually who he is. And we have to decide he either is the God of everything or he is some smaller God that he's never claimed to be. Or maybe it's that you do believe in God. You are a follower of Jesus Christ, but uh, God doesn't seem to be living up to his end of the deal. Like there's not enough money coming in for me even to think about whose it is. God doesn't even seem to be providing. That can do one of two things to us. That can make us walk out of here bitter and resentful. Or it can make us want to have a conversation about maybe how we're not on track. About maybe how there's something that God wants to show you about money. And something that he could show you about what he actually wants to do with his money. No matter where you're at and where you're coming from today, all that God has ever tried to offer is kind of an unveiling, an understanding of the type of relationship he wants to have with you. Because it's a unique type of relationship. He calls it a covenant. A covenant relationship. The closest thing we get to it in this, when on earth here is marriage. In which we agree to love each other. We agree to love one another and to learn how to love one another and then to keep doing it. And so God lets us know his side of the covenant. In Deuteronomy 8.18, it says that we're to remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed with your ancestors. His side of the covenant is to provide his side of the covenant is to give. His side of the covenant, the covenant is to give you the ability to be successful. And then it lets us know our side. For it says that when we've eaten our fill, when we've received from our God, we need to be sure to praise, to remember, to thank God for all the good things. We praise. We show affection. We show love. That's the covenant. Part of the covenant that we have with our God, if we want it, is that that's how he loves and that's how we love. God provides and we praise. He does him and we do us. And that is the thing that he has wanted us to know for so long. And maybe why it's not been going so well so far. Now, as with any conversation we have here, this is a really easy one for you to ignore and dismiss. It is. Because it's hard. And it's challenging. And if you believe in it and you follow it, it will actually make you use money differently. But if any change is going to happen, if anything is going to get better, if you're going to get more peace about it, more joy about it, if money's going to mean anything different ever, it will be because you make a decision to make it different. God has been consistent on his side of the covenant. He has been the standard on his side of the equation. Any inconsistency is in us. Any fickleness, that's down to you and I. If we desire the type of relationship God wants to offer, it means us coming to agree with what's on offer. And so, as we wrap up, I have some very tangible things that I want to challenge you to do today. Steps to take to move you and to move your heart closer toward loving God and loving people with your money. And here's the first. It's really simple. It's really easy. And you can all do it. And we're all going to feel really accomplished when we do. You decide one or the other that it's God's money or it's not God's money. It's a really good place to start from because it'll help every conversation you ever have from then on. If you decide that it's God's money, then decide that it's God's money and actually live like it is. If you decide that it's not God's money, you're off the hook, go and do whatever you wish. But in that, we shouldn't expect that covenant relationship with God to be something that he fulfills also. The key about understanding what you believe in and how you will live it out is what you can then expect on the back end. And I want you to own your decision. I want you to believe what you believe so that you know what to expect. And if you can decide whether it's God's money or not God's money, I actually want to challenge all of you, no matter what you decide, to do the next thing, which is incredibly practical. And I want you to do it this afternoon. I want you to do something to help you see the money. I want you to help you see that there is something coming to you that God says he is providing. doesn't matter if you're single, you're married, you're a teenager, I want you to do this. You might have done it before, but I want you to do it again. Or if you've done it before, to get it back out and look at it. I want you to see something. I want you to do something that 59% of all people in your country won't do. I want to challenge you today to create a budget for your house, for your life. To create a budget, a budget means to be able to see the money that's coming in and to make a plan for the money that's going out. Once you fill those out, you can uh, hand those in to me and I'll tell you how much you should be tied in. That... Too soon, too soon. This is private. This is for you. This is for your good. This is what most people won't do. Because when you create a budget, here's one thing that we usually don't credit being able to happen when we do that. When you get it all in black and white and you see where it's going and what it's accomplishing, you can then do the thing that we very rarely do when it comes to God and money, is you can praise God for what he's providing. Very often even if we do praise God for money, it's thanks very much God for the money. Thanks God for the paycheck. When you create a budget and when you look at it, it is no longer a paycheck he's giving you. It is no longer money he's provided. In this line item, it shows that God is putting clothes on your back. Here we can see that God is providing the food in the fridge and the pantry, that God is the one putting a roof over your head and giving you education and healthcare, allowing you to do things that are fun and security for the future. When you look at a budget and you see what the money's going to, it's much easier to praise God for the things he's providing for. And so we create a budget so we can praise God for the things that he's bringing into our lives. And then we get to do the final thing with it is we get to ask God. We get to look at these things and quite frankly, get into a conversation, an honest prayer-filled conversation with him, say, now what? Now what for what you've given me do you want me to do with it? Is there any things that you want to change here on the list? Is there something that you want me to believe in you for that you will provide for? How can I fulfill my side of this covenant agreement? Because you've obviously provided something. You've done your part. Now let me do mine. The reason I want to challenge you to do this, to make the decision whether it's God's money or not, to create a budget to praise him and ask him what to do with it, is so that you and your very heart, your core, can be turned more towards him. That you will start to treasure him more and therefore your love and your affection will go there. So we as a people and as a church family will love God and love people more with our money. Because money's huge. God knows it's huge. You know it's huge. If we're honest, we all do. It's a big deal. It has a lot of power. And so all we want to accomplish is to gain momentum in the right direction. To make the most out of it means making the most out of God's ways of doing it. Next week, we're going to pick up the conversation by talking about earning money how to earn it, how to earn it honorably, how to be diligent when earning it so that we can then do something with it. As we wrap up our conversation, our experience, now, I'm going to have the music team come on up because I want us to do something. We want to do something that helps us remember why we're going to do things differently. We're going to take communion together as a family. And the thing about communion is when Jesus first called believers together to do communion, to take communion, He did it so that they would remember who they are and who he is. He took bread and wine on that night and said, I want you to remember the sacrifice I'm about to give so that you can have relationship with your God. The bread represents my body and the wine represents my blood. Both these things are going to be given to pay a penalty for the sins you've committed. And so the worst thing we can do today is walk out of here thinking we just had a conversation about money. In fact, we just had a conversation about how we can honor God. And to do that, I want us to remember Jesus. To take this time in communion and worship to remember what Jesus did so we can even talk about relating to our God. We take bread. We take wine. We take time to relate to God, to confess to God, to praise God. And we take communion together. Now, the way that we do that here at Epiphany is... We have the bread with a gluten-free option along with non-alcoholic juice on the corners of the stage. Uh, When the team leads us through a song, you're welcome to stand up and come down the center aisles, head to the corners, and head back down the edges to get to your seats. And then you take some time. You take some time to pray. Pray on your own. Pray as a family. Pray as a couple. Pray to remember, to be reminded of what Jesus did so that we can be here today to love Him back. As we kind of finish up that first worship song, Communion, the prayer team will be down front. And always, as we have conversations, difficult conversations about things like money, if there's anything you want to pray with them for, uh, I promise you that there's complete confidentiality. These people are of high character. If there's anything you want to share with them, or you can just come up silently, and they'd love to pray for you. And in that, actually, I would love to pray for you guys right now, if that's okay. Father God, we thank you that we can have tough conversations. And to talk about things that maybe we don't want to talk about. We thank you that you promise your commitment to us. That you promise to actually be there to provide for us, to be a father and to love us. And so we want to come and we want to say that that's what we want. We we want to have that kind of relationship with you in which you do what you do and then we praise you and we thank you and we love you in return. We thank you for what you've already done. God, help us not to put this conversation aside. Help us not to, to flee from it, but help us to see how much it can be utilized to love you all the better. We ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen.